What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Complete Center's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler, and man, oh man, do we have an awesome episode lined up for you guys tonight. We are talking about the incarnation, God becoming man, the Word became flesh, as John tells us in his prologue, which is, I just, it blows me away just to think that the creator, the creator of our universe, stepped down, humbled himself, as Philippians 2 tells us, and became a servant, became one of his own. The Bible says that he came to his own, his own did not receive him, but to those who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And so we are diving in on our second episode of this 10-part series, this intro to Christianity, with some theological truth about God becoming man, as well as practical application of that. Before we go any further, though, i got to bring my brother, my co-host, Joshua Davison. What is going on, man? You want to tell the audience a little bit more into detail what we're going to be talking about tonight well first of all thank everybody for listening um and um i'm doing all right i'm i had a an awkward week because there's a uh a bit of an issue with the amount of uh, work i'm i'm able to do like i normally would do because we had a lockdown from uh some staff members who got sick and so they put the, uh-huh. the, the shelter and the program on lockdown, and I'm not allowed to go to the building except for an emergency. So I've basically oh, been man. organizing the shop and, you know, just it's, it's kind of it's just a little nerve wracking for me to not be able to go down to the, the main buildings that I work at every day. 90% of my work is at, and I'm just not able to go in and about right now uh, freely. I- and so it's kind of frustrating me. But yeah. <clears throat> It was uh, it was an all right it was an all right week at work you know, um, but I'm I'm definitely ready to to talk some 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 gospel message with uh, with with uh, Dane here and I'm I'm excited that tonight really what we're what we're trying to talk about is um, you know that the the identity of this person we say Jesus of Nazareth right this, mm-hmm. when I, what I don't mean is his ethnic identity or his his skin color or what how long how long his hair was and so forth none of that actually matters but. Uh, the thing that does matter, the, the the thing that matters the most, I think, is the the uh, the uncomfortable claim that he makes not to be a good moral teacher, but to be I am. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's kind of what we're aiming at is what what in the world does that, that mean and why should it matter to me and what do I do about it? Right, right. And and you've mentioned him already, but Dane Von Ace, brother, how are you doing, man? So for those who don't know real quick, the first time Dane actually came on CSG, we were debating. We were standing on opposite yeah. sides of, of the stage, and we had a good three-on-three de- uh, debate with Dan Chapa uh, and David Pullman on that. And, and uh, what was that topic, Dane? I think it was, does faith precede regeneration? I'm pretty that's sure correct. that's correct. Yeah, that is what we talk about. But now, I mean, Dane has been on CSG a couple more times after that, standing arm in arm, you know, united under the faith, united in the blood of Christ, right? And so Amen. I'm so happy to have Dane back on to discuss this one. This is, I think you said uh, off air, Dane, this is one of your favorite topics to talk about, brother. So go ahead and introduce yourself for those who don't know you. And why why is the incarnation uh, one of your favorite topics, bro. Well, thank you for having me on. It's always a joy to be here. And uh, I do love when we're standing arm in arm together. Uh, I am Dane Von Ace, a sinner saved by the grace of the Almighty Lord. And I am uh, a pastor at Sango United Methodist Church. And I'm a father of two little girls and a husband to my beautiful wife. So I'm a, I'm a man blessed beyond what I deserve and just uh, in love with the Lord Jesus and love every opportunity that I get to share about Christ. And yes, this is probably my very favorite topic um, of all Christian doctrine. And I know that's a pretty big statement, but the reason why is because at the end of the day, what makes Christianity so distinct is our religion, our faith, it's about a person. It's about an individual named Jesus Christ, and we believe and confess that he is fully God and fully human, and this is a staggering claim. It's, an, a, it's a, a beautiful claim. It's a mysterious claim in a lot of ways, 
Mm-hmm. But this this is what it's really all about. We we don't look to our works. Um, we don't even look to our own worship or prayer life. We look to a person, and so we want to know as much about this person uh, as we possibly can. We want to know who he is, what he's done for us, and why we should trust him. So I, I think that the full divinity and full humanity of Christ is as glorious a topic as there ever was. Amen, brother. And and you nailed it. We we have our faith, you know, in a person. We talked about it. Josh and I was with uh, William Tanksley the last time for our uh, premiere of this 10-episode series on our intro to Christianity, right? And we, I think we, we did a good job making the argument that, one, Christianity is unique from every other religion in the world. And now Dane and I were talking off air. I, I want to give our, our listeners a, a trivia question real quick. And so I want to ask you, and I'll wait a couple seconds, um, but, but how many religions do you think are in the world? Very nice. I like it. All right, that's good. So there are actually two, two religions in the world. I know, mind blown, right? We have a religion of works, which say that you have to do in order to earn God's favor, in order to be good enough, so to say, to inherit, to earn grace, or not not grace, but to earn God's favor, right? To to work in order to achieve a right standing with God. And the second religion, which Christianity is unique to, we say that no, we can't do enough good. Why? Because we are already sinners. We are already, we've already broken the law. We've already done that which is displeasing to God. And God being a just God, like we went over the last, in the, in the very last episode, God being a just God must punish that sin. But thank God he is not only just, but righteous, loving, and made a way, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made a way. The Son came down, took on flesh, and became a curse for us. He lived a perfect life, became a curse for us, hanging on the tree, bearing our sins on that cross, and then rose three days later. The second way Christianity is unique is our faith is not in a message, but in the person and work of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And just I want to go around kind of just on that topic alone. Dane, do you got anything to add to that? Then we'll hit Josh, and then I want to jump into uh, some biblical passages. So what we'll do in the beginning here, let's establish the fact that the Bible does proclaim Jesus' divinity, and then in the second half, we will hit on Jesus' humanity a little bit. And for those, if for our listeners, if you have a question about the Incarnation, feel free to give us a call, one 855 Four five zero six six two four is that number to dial. Noah will uh, Noah will run the call, and then we will uh, put you on air with our question or with your question. Again, that number to dial is one eight five five four five zero six six two four. We do have open phones, and we are taking your calls, ladies and gentlemen. But Dane, uh, go ahead. What what is it? What is it about? Christianity. We we said that it's unique by our faith is in a person. You want to elaborate on that just a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to just echo what you said and illustrate it. So you were saying there's two religions. There's the religion of works, which is every other religion besides Christianity. And then there's the religion of grace. And that's unique to Christianity. That is what makes uh, Christianity distinct and different. And I just want to illustrate this. So if you were to ask a Jewish individual, why will you enter paradise? Um, what, is, what is the mechanism? What is the reason why you will enter paradise? Well, uh, they would probably say, because I kept the Sabbath, because I kept the Torah laws, because I ate the kosher diet, because I did that which was pleasing in God's sight. The same thing would uh, happen with um, someone who practices Islam. Why, why are you going to go to paradise? Well, I uh, did the pilgrimage to Mecca, I said my five prayers a day, I gave alms to the poor, all these kinds of things. Even Eastern religions, ask a Hindu, why are you going to um, be, you know, have a, have a good afterlife um, or, or a better reincarnation? Well, I did the yoga uh, poses, I, I did them every single day and all this. What What you get out of those religions is constantly striving, constantly working, trying to please God. And then what's what's really wild is at the end of it, 
it's as if you've earned salvation. The reason God gives you um, favor is because, well, you checked off all the boxes. But if we really understand God's holiness, God's perfection, God's absolute uniqueness in, in his righteousness and, and holiness, none of us could ever impress God with our works. None of us could ever fully please God because one sin against an infinitely holy God is, is infinitely um, disgraceful. And so Christianity stands unique. If someone were to ask me, why am I going to heaven? My first response might shock them. I would say, well, I don't deserve to, and I could never earn it, and I could never work my way there. But I will go to heaven because of the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. I will go to heaven because on the cross he bore my sin and made atonement for me. I will go to heaven because the man who is also God, Jesus Christ, he, he died in my place, absorbed the penalty I was due, and he has made a way for me to enter into paradise. He has opened heaven's gates for me. And so I'm going to go into heaven riding on his back. I'm going being carried in his arms. And so that comes back to what I originally said. Christianity is about a person. I'm not putting my faith in my works. I'm not putting my faith in a system. I'm not putting my faith in a philosophy. I'm putting my faith in a man who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I'm looking at him and I'm saying, I believe you. Please take me to the Father. Amen. Amen. Josh, you got anything you want to add to that? Um, other than my amen, I mean, I, 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 I can say that I appreciate right now getting preached at, uh, I, I just love, like, I would totally attend your church, bro. Uh, it's uh, nice, I'm, ain't I'm, it? That was, that was, it's what that you was get awesome. when you bring a preacher on um, the show. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm happy right now. I, I feel like I was so satisfied with both of you just now. That was wonderful. Um, the, the, the remarkable thing that, that I think we're doing right now is when, when we're exchanging the information, the, the, the revelation, because it's special information, it's a specific kind of information that we're exchanging right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that we're able to speak back and forth and understand one another, it's kind of the guiding principle of the conversation, right? What's really remarkable is that the Bible's claim, I think if I understand it correctly and calling him the word, is exactly that he's the guiding principle, not of just a conversation, but of the entire exchange of everything in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. Like that's that's what the claim is, right? That he's he's the word, God's word, right? Yeah. I think there's this kind of uh, misunderstanding in the modern church when we say the word of God. A lot of people mm-hmm. picture a book instead of the Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a misunderstanding. So if I was going to add anything, I would just say this, this should clarify for people that when we say faith in Christ, we don't just mean acknowledging that he exists and accomplished a bunch of stuff and say, yep, I agree with you. Seems pretty convenient. I'll be on your team. We mean a full, like, like we're talking about a pledged allegiance, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not just because it, it's really easy to, to make the differentiation between Christianity and a works-based religion by yeah. saying we don't, we don't enter in because of our merit. But it's like that doesn't mean we shouldn't look like him because the main charge against the yeah. church is hypocrisy. And right. to me, that means that we are not, uh, let's say, um, embodying the guiding principle the way that we're supposed to. We're not you – know, because the, 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 the idea of, of, of God's word, God, it's hard to explain without using the analogy of a dialogue like what we're having now. Do you, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, what you're saying reminds me of um, the theologian and philosopher Cornelius Van Til, who said that God and Christ and the Logos, um, the word, is the precondition for all intelligibility. So nothing would make sense without God being the foundation for it. And so um, you're right. Uh, we, we want to not only talk about God and trust God and believe in God, but we actually want to be uh, made like God and, um, and, and not to be hypocrites, but to, to be in line with the truth and to live it out. Right, right. And I like what you said there, Dane, jumping into uh, Isaiah real quick. Um, 
in in Isaiah ten twenty one we see this phrase it's used and those of Jacob who remain will trust a powerful God. Now, I'm not a scholar in Hebrew or anything like that, so please don't take it this way. But that word there, a powerful God, that's El Gabor in the Hebrew. And what's very interesting is we we keep making the claim that uh, that the Word, you know, we know we all know John one one in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, right? And so I want to go to the Old Testament to give kind of a foundation for why we really believe that Jesus is God to to start out to set that to lay that foundation and then to build upon that with describing his humanity and then how that applies how God becoming man practically applies to me 2000 years after the fact. So remember Isaiah 10:21 and those of Jacob will, who remain will trust a powerful God El Gabor. Let's go to Isaiah 9:6. It's a very it's a it's a very familiar verse, very familiar passage of scripture that that I think all would agree that this is a prophecy about the Son, about the Son of God we see um, used multiple times in the Synoptic Gospels in John. And and so I just want to read Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, the reason I brought up Isaiah ten twenty one is because again, that word El Gabor is used of God, is used of Yahweh, a powerful God. The exact same word, the exact same phrase, El Gabor, is used right here in Isaiah nine six. And who is it in reference to? The Son. Now, I do want to make a clarification real quick. We as Trinitarians, all of us on this panel are Trinitarians, and so we do not believe that the Father is Jesus or that Jesus is the Holy Spirit or even that Jesus is the Father, right? We believe that there are three persons who subsist in the one being that is God, namely Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are God and yet all three are distinct persons. And yet we see the Son here in, G- in Jesus, in Isaiah's prophecy in 9-6, and we'll get into other passages here in a little bit. But again, I just want to read it one more time for our listeners. For to us, and I'm reading out of the ESV this time, I just downloaded Logos Bible software. I love Logos with a passion. I love the fact that it's digital, and you can look up. Anytime you want to look up these, like El Gabor, for example, you can just type that in, and it will show you every single time that phrase is used in the entire Bible. And and I just love it. It's so cool. Um, But again, like I said, I want to read Isaiah 9-6 ESV one more time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forward from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. Dane, what are your thoughts on on, on Isaiah nine six there? My thoughts are that it is a wonderful passage to show that the Messiah will be God with us, will be mm. fully God in the flesh. Because the humanity is said, a son will be given to us, a child will be born. But then immediately after establishing that this Messiah is going to be a human being, uh, it is said right after it, and his name is Mighty God, El Gabor. And there's no denying that this is a divine title. There's no denying that this is a title for Yahweh, because it's used uh, in that way in the very next chapter. And, of course, Isaiah 9-6 is not the only... Uh, passage of prophecy that that tells us and predicts that the Messiah will be God. You could look at Micah five two that says the one who will rule Israel. He is one whose origins are from old, like the ancient of days. Again, another divine title. And you could look at something like Jeremiah twenty three five and six, where the uh, righteous branch who is coming out uh, for David which is a messianic title, he will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. And so what this tells me is these prophets inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote 
to inform us that the one we should expect as our Messiah will be fully human, but he will also be fully God. And it reminds us that when Jesus comes uh, to us on earth, he's not coming in a vacuum. We, we had these prophecies um, right. beforehand. And that's why the apostles are equally excited to inform us that he is fully God. They're, they're not making up something new. They are uh, continuing the revelation that began with the prophets. And that's why you can get someone like John, who says the word was with God and is God. You can get someone mm-hmm. like Luke in Acts twenty twenty eight saying that God bought the church with his blood. God mm. bought the church with his blood. That's how you can get Second Peter 1, 1, where, where the apostle says, Jesus is our God and Savior. And that's how you can get someone like Paul in Romans 9, 5, saying that from the uh, patriarchs, from the race of, of Israel, from the Israelites, comes the Messiah, and he is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. And he ends it with an amen, just to say that punctuation, that exclamation point, it's true. So the prophets uh, tell us to expect the Messiah to be God, and then Jesus comes and tells us, I'm the Messiah and I'm God. And the apostles say, we agree, he is God. So it all comes together. The entire voice of Scripture is this symphony of, of voices, and, and, and they're all singing this Messiah, this Christ. He's God with us. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I love that you bring up John. You know, we've, we've kind of been talking about John. But listening to a debate with Dr. James White and uh, Patrick, uh, Mr. Patrick Navas, I think is how you pronounce his last name, uh, Dr. White gives a beautiful argument about how John is building a cumulative case uh, for the deity of Christ. He starts out with, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then subtly throughout the Gospel of John, you see the ego I meet, the, the I am statements that we see in Isaiah, right? Like, like Dr. White <laughs> says that you can't, you, you have to go, there, there's really not a direct connection. I mean, don't get me wrong, there is, between the I am statements and then jumping to Exodus like 3.14, right? You have to go through Isaiah to get to Exodus. There's the connection there, but you have to go through Isaiah uh, to get to Exodus. And, and we'll see some of that. I, I ha- actually have a debate uh, lined up with a couple of gentlemen, uh, David Russell and I, uh, y'all know David, my listeners know David uh, from Proselytize or Apostatize, who's been on the show multiple times. Uh, we have a, a debate uh, with Brad and Seamus uh, from Alternate Media, A-L-T-A-R-N-A-T-E, Alternate Media, um, from YouTube. And uh, they deny the divinity of Christ. And so we've got a debate scheduled February uh, the 24th at 7.30 p.m. For anyone who wants to check that out, uh, it'll be uh, live streaming on CSG's YouTube and Facebook page. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to discussing this concept even more so so for those who are listening now we are going to give just a, a really a 30,000 foot view of our um, of our beliefs of our faith that that Christ is God that the Messiah is God um, but Josh I want to uh, uh, or but we'll go in deeper uh, with that for those who are interested in the debate but Josh I want to get your thoughts on Isaiah 9 6 and Noah if you want to jump in brother uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this passage as well okay. but Josh go ahead I'm sorry, can, can you repeat the passage? What was it? Yeah, it's Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is oh, given. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, my mistake. Okay, I, 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 had, I had something else pictured in my head, so I'm glad I asked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, what did you, I, I, I got to know real quick, what did you have pictured? Um, I, I, I kind of, in my head, I was thinking about Isaiah 53 when you said that, and then I thought oh, yeah. I heard you say something else. And mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to clarify because I, I didn't want to like be like, oh, you know, so I had something <laughs> else. You, you know how I am. I have like, yeah. there's the layers. So, yeah. sorry. Um, no, you're good. Isaiah man. 9 is... Isaiah, Isaiah 9 is interesting. And I've heard... I've actually had conversations. I have a, I have a friend who used to stay at my house a lot uh, who is a Jewish convert and mm. would, would love to argue with me often about Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one of the things that I, I pointed out to him was this passage. And and I, I, I don't actually recall what he thought it meant, but he kept critiquing the idea of 
the virgin birth. That's the thing that he was mm. really upset with. It wasn't the idea of God becoming man, which was very weird to me that I thought that that might be the thing that bothers him. But the way that, you know, because because it's the, the way that we understand prophecies is not the like modern rabbinical kind of way of understanding a lot of prophecies. And so um, there some people might hear these these verses and be like, well, I, I think I think because of the way that we look at these verses it seems very clear like it seems as you read through it it seems so so clear that it's talking about the the messiah and that yeah. jesus made the claim to be the messiah you make the connection it's like if i i i get confused sometimes about the way that uh the scripture uses titles of christ but it, it is really like he he's the he he is the promise right like right. even back from abraham like this i think it's just the idea of the one pointed reason that god pursued israel the way that he did all throughout the old testament is kind of for this reason unto us a child like this i think that that's like the pinnacle of the the promise do you, do you see what i'm saying yeah absolutely and it is the pinnacle of the promise um the promise was that Abraham, through your seed, I will bring forth uh, the the Messiah. And so right. God's love for Israel um, is, is, of course, a genuine and authentic love. But uh, the, the purpose is, is beyond just choosing them to show love to them, is choosing them to bring forth the Messiah out of them. Right, right. absolutely. Setting them apart to be distinguished among the nations, right? You do mm-hmm. this yeah. differently than everyone else. Why? Yes, it's to set you apart, but for what reason? To bring the Messiah. I think. I think you're. I think you both are absolutely right. The pinnacle of God's creation is whenever God Himself became man. Right? Would you guys agree with that statement? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's kind of the fulfillment of creation. Because, like, because uh, honestly, yeah. if 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 Jesus is. Uh, who he said he is and who the apostles said he is, and especially the passage in, the passage in John 1 that we keep coming back to, yeah. if he is the creator as it credits him, um, then, then ultimately when God spoke and everything came to be, this was in some sense the word making itself known for the first time by mm. by bringing in anything into embodiment like the fact that there is anything rather than nothing is is an expression of god's word and then that becomes more and more and more pointed like it's going through a funnel right like and then it comes out to this one condensed thing it's like something so solid we call it history like it's a it's like a it's it's a different kind of fact truthhood like with like the idea that there's eyewitnesses and there's accounts and there's historical data that maps all this up. Like we're not talking about uh, a myth or a, an, a god in in the like the Greek myth, pantheon sense. Like we're not just talking about the the idea or the spirit of something in that sense. We're talking about that which is beyond category. That like God was called holy in the bible that means he's divinely different and if it's the case that jesus is part of that tripartite holy that ultimately what he's doing when he shows up is making the expression of god of god's word yeah like like the like the express i like the the, you know my my favorite book is the book of hebrews the first (laughs) three verses of that book are like the most incredible theology lesson just just jam packed and then it gives you a remarkable summary of the entire old testament and why jesus is superior to all of the things that the people of israel had had grown to look to and give their allegiance to almost in place of god you you, you see what i'm saying and it's like this this ultimate expression and and correction of all those things that had gone wrong gone crooked god granted us all of these things these beautiful things uh, 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 you know, we're, we're creatures of habit and, and we can build our lives around things that are worthy of our effort and, and our, our, our obligation and responsibility. And when we fulfill those duties and obligations and responsibilities, God rewards us. And it's like, 
that's that's beautiful. But beyond that, it's like, oh, what about all those times I didn't though? Mm. Like, how do I deal with this problem? And it's like, I don't. I can't go back and change the past. What do I do with the past? It's like I'm not I'm not the king of time. What do I do with it? It's like right. then he has to do something about it. Like that it's just such a beautiful solution to every problem from top to bottom. Amen. And and you know that's actually a pretty awesome segue there uh, Josh because what you're talking about is Jesus does a work that only God can do that we can't do for ourselves. Um, right. That is that is saving us. Like ah. his blood speaks a better word than Abel's blood. Abel cries out for vengeance, the blood of Christ cries out for forgiveness and mercy and so he is our savior and he is our only savior and that segues us into um isaiah forty three eleven that i know uh tyler you wanted to to talk about absolutely there there's a couple passages if, for those for our listeners who um who have your bible uh go ahead and flip to isaiah forty three eleven and also bookmark hosea thirteen four. we're going to go to both of them but but let's just uh let's get some context i really like isaiah forty three ten. Um, so let's, and what's interesting enough is anyone who listens to, uh, Dr. White knows, uh, Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses actually get their name from this passage, but we'll begin, uh, in Isaiah forty-three ten. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am. As the ESV translates that, I am he, but whenever you look at that, actually in the Greek Septuagint, you see the beautiful ego a me. God goes on, before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. And we see this again, uh, this concept of only God being Savior. And I'm sorry, Hosea uh, 13, uh, 13, 13.4. But I am the Lord, your God, establisher of heaven and creator of earth. There's a beautiful passage that, uh, our, our concept that Josh uh, brought up. God is our creator, right? And we see in John 1, uh, 3, how all things came into being through Christ. And again, in Colossians 1, uh, 15 and 16, that, that all, all things uh, came into being through him, things that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, for him and through him, and to him all things exist, right? And then, uh, and here again in uh, Hosea thirteen four. But I am the Lord your God, establisher of heaven and creator of earth, whose hands created all the host of the heavens, and I did not unveil them to you, so that you might go after them. I led you up from the land of Egypt. Cross reference Jude five for that, and to see uh, who actually led those out of Egypt. Uh, so you will know no God but me, and there is no one who saves except me. We see these concepts throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah forty three eleven, Hosea thirteen four. This is why people. This is why Peter in Second Peter one. Listen to Peter's uh, introduction here or his greeting. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior. Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, or our Kurios there. And so, again, I love how Peter, a good Jew, a good Jew who knew the Old Testament through and through, I'm sure he did, right? He quotes from it a lot. And, and, and Paul, and all of these different people, we see them, as my buddy Robert Wiesner points out, they apply these passages. And, and Josh brought up something a while ago. Compare John twelve forty one to Isaiah six. If you ask Isaiah, who did you see sitting on the throne with the cherubim flying above him, saying, "Holy, holy, holy," who is that? Isaiah. Isaiah answers that in Isaiah six five. He says, "My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." And John, if you ask him, who did Isaiah see in John twelve forty one? He's going to say Jesus. He saw His glory and he spoke about Him. Jesus. And so just like, not to keep rambling on, but like I said, it's, it's where these concepts, like my buddy Robert Wiesner says, if, if Jesus is just an agent, if that's the only relationship between him and God the Father is a, a relationship of mere agency, then we never would see New Testament saints, Peter, Paul, John, 
applying these concepts of Yahweh's transcendent uniqueness. That's a that's a a phrase that Richard Baxter uses in his uh, in his work on this uh, subject. But we never would see them applying concepts that speak of Yahweh's transcendent uniqueness directly to Jesus Himself, and, and we see that throughout the old or throughout the Old Testament and the New. Um, Dane, any anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think it's awesome to point out how the the Bible tells us in Isaiah that there's no savior except for Yahweh, and yeah. then in the New Testament, Peter, Titus, many others are. Uh, calling Jesus the Savior, which shows that Christ and the Father are both Yahweh, and they're in harmony in working towards our salvation. And I want to illustrate this in a really cool way. Um, so John ten twenty seven through 30, we read, and these are, these are Jesus' words, we read, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, this is obviously in the context of Christ being Savior. He says, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you eternal life. You're my sheep. I'm going to give you eternal life. That's saving language. And then notice the harmony that he is uh, speaking of with the Father. He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And then the very next verse, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Our work of salvation is one work together. So just as you can call the Father Savior, you can also call the Son Savior. And for that matter, you can call the Spirit Savior. And, um, but only Yahweh, only God is Savior. That's right. That's right. Josh or Noah, any, you guys want to comment? Um, I, I honestly, I'm... I, I kind of just want to go through uh, like the the first three verses of Hebrews to kind of yeah like almost like it just I feel like it's the thing swelling up underneath the ship you know what I mean yeah um, go ahead so Hebrews chapter one in the first three verses is kind of like the summary statement that I would give if somebody asked me what I what I believed about Jesus you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of love the wording, but also the fact that it kind of, it reads kind of like sermon notes, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it says after God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets in these last days, he has spoken to us in a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the world's. The sun is the radiance of his glory and the representation of all his essence. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. And so when he had accomplished cleansing for sins, he sat down at the right hand, stay on high. Thus he became yeah. so far better than the angels as he had inherited a name superior to theirs. I just love the way that this kind of flows out. And in the order that it gives, it says there's lots of times that God has made himself clear, mm-hmm. but this is the most clear he has ever made himself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. I, I, no. I love I love that that verse two is really kind of the summary there. It says uh, whom he appointed heir of all things. So Christ is the king, as you said, mm-hmm. the rightful born king of all of all creation, right? But also he's given credit for being the 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 thing God used to create everything. Right. Yeah. Like Jesus is credited as being the the source of creation at large. All of create all the worlds. Yep. And and check this out in, in these passages Christ is spoken of as distinct from the Father, right? So these are two different persons, but one God, because we know they're distinct because he sits down at the right hand of the Father. So that's cool. But check this out. Jesus is credited as being uh, the one through whom all things are made. So that means he's eternal. Uh, That means that he is the creator. And then it says that he is the one upholding all things by his powerful word, so he's not only the creator right. of the universe, he's the sustainer, which uh, 
correlates with Colossians 1.17 that says, In him, in Jesus, all things hold together. And then if that wasn't powerful enough, it goes on to say he's the redeemer. He's the sanctifier. He is the one who will purify us from our sins. And so we have here three divine works, creation, sustaining the creation, and redeeming the creation, all attributed to Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, and and just to touch back on what uh, Josh said about Jesus revealing who the Father is, right? In John one, uh, seven or let's see, John one eighteen. I'm sorry, um, says no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Exegesita is the uh, is the Greek there, and we get that sound. You, if you've listened to the show before, you hear us talking about all the time about exegeting Scripture. This is mm-hmm. exactly what the Son has done. So whenever He can look at Philip and, and and say, "Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father," right? This is what we're talking about. Jesus exegetes the Father. He makes He reveals Him in the way that, as Hebrews 1 uh, said, as Joshua really beautifully pointed out, that God has revealed himself in many ways in the past, but in his Son, God has revealed himself in a unique, and and, and nothing else can compare to that in a, in a very unique way. Yeah, I want to I add to that because that's so powerful. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, and um, what's really amazing is that when you, when you read Scripture— you're going to get two things happening at once, and if you don't understand the Trinity, if you don't understand the full divinity of Christ, it's going to seem like a contradiction or a paradox, but Jesus is the key that unlocks the answer. So in 1 John 4.12, it says, no one has ever seen God. And in Exodus 33.20, God tells Moses, no one can see my face and live. And yet, when we go through Scripture, we see that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, Genesis 3.8. We know that Abraham saw God, Genesis 18.1. We know that Jacob saw God, Genesis 32.30. We know that Moses talked to God as one talks to a friend face-to-face, Exodus 33.11. And we know that Isaiah saw God in uh, Isaiah 6, 1-6. And so the question is, okay, it's telling me no one has seen God, and then it's saying, but people have seen God. And the answer, of course, is Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. So what's happening here is, no one has seen the Father, mm-hmm. but whenever someone sees God, they're seeing the second person of the Trinity. They're seeing Christ, and I can um, prove this in a pretty cool way. Yeah. Uh, although John one eighteen is is proof enough, it, that's what it says. He's exegeted the Father. He has revealed the Father. He is showing us the Father. But in Hebrews twenty four through twenty six, we read something really cool. Um, it's, it's about Moses, and it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be minister, min- mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then check this out, Hebrews eleven twenty six. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. So Moses had... Christ on his mind when he led the people out of Egypt. He he specifically was thinking about Christ. And that tells me Moses was a Trinitarian. He was thinking about Jesus when he led the people out of Egypt. And that goes to your point about Jude 1.5, that it was Christ who led them out of Egypt. And uh, 1 Corinthians 10.4, that um, Jesus was the rock that accompanied them in the in the wilderness. Right. Right, Josh, you got anything, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll get into kind of the practical application. We we have sp- I don't, I, and I'm glad we did. I'm glad we took a lot, most of the episode to really flesh out the the fact that Jesus is God. Right, a lot of people now back in back in the apostles' days, there were people that John was writing about in in First John, for instance, who believed that Jesus was not flesh. He he was not physical. Right, he was more of a um, like a phantom, so to say. And and really, if you want to get into the, the humanity of Christ, and, and we can always do a part two on this uh, later um, with, with Dane, but if you really want to get into the humanity of Christ, I recommend reading uh, just First John. That really gives us a good explanation 
of 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 the second part of this concept, right? We we've been talking about the first of it, Jesus being God, but not so much as Jesus being man. But there is practical application to this. But Josh, I want to give you the floor um, if you want to add anything to that, and then uh, we'll go into Hebrews four. Uh, verses 14 through 16 for our listeners who have their Bible. I want you to turn to there for the uh, practical application of all that we've been talking about tonight. But Josh, go ahead. Uh, I, honestly, I don't really have much to add to to what's been said without being kind of repetitive sure. um, because this has all been, I, I am so satisfied with how this went. I'm, I'm right there with you, bro. Um, but as far as, as far as making a transition for the, 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 pra- pr- the practical portion of, of understanding that God became a man. It's like, mm-hmm. um, we, we are men. <laughs> this yeah, is where right. the, the rubber meets the road. We are men. Christ didn't become an angel. Christ mm-hmm. didn't become a seahorse. He didn't become an alien. He didn't become an elephant or anything like that. He became a man. And you know what? He didn't show up as a Superman. That's he right. didn't show up as some kind of fully manifested, fully grown kind of person that's not what happened what happened is exactly what happens to you and me he came in in a womb to a mother uh went through a gestation period uh Mm -hmm. was 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 pushed out of a birth canal like he he grew up as an infant and then he became a toddler and then a child and then a a, a preteen he went through teenage years and puberty and everything we have to deal with like just the the reality and the 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 I, I think that the the incredible uh, appeal that this has to our our experience and our our worry and our doubt and our self uh, uh, reliance and our, our but our self loathing and realizing how how full of failure we are and all that it's like does God even know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. and, and he does. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Yes, and we see that in Hebrews four uh, fourteen through sixteen. So, so you're absolutely right. I'm going to read out of a translation I actually just got. Uh, Kenneth Weiss translated this, and it's an and it's an expanded trans. Wow! Did you guys just hear that whistle? That Woo! was awesome. That was cr- that's my that's my hickerbilly in me. But uh, um, yeah, Kenneth Weiss translated. <laughs> uh, and expounded uh, New Testament. And so I just want to ch- just check this out. This is so great in the last uh, five minutes that we have. Having, therefore, a high priest, a great one, one who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us be holding fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is not able to enter experientially into a fellow feeling with our infirmities, but one who has been tempted and tested in all points like as we are without sin. Let us be coming therefore with boldness to the throne of grace in order that we may procure mercy and find grace for a seasonable help. Long story short, Jesus, God, knew. I've heard it expressed this way. He knew what it was like to become a man. He knows everything. But whenever he experienced it, this took on a whole new level of what it means to be created in God's image. It really does. We, as believers in Jesus, are being recreated into that original image, right, that's been marred and scarred by the fall. And yet, like Josh pointed out a while ago, Jesus did not become a man. Jesus did not become, or I'm sorry, Jesus did not become an angel. Jesus did not become an alien. Jesus did not become a seahorse or whatever. He became a man to intercede for men on their behalf. And in order to do that, he had to be tempted. He had to be tested. And let me tell you this, none of us, none of us have been tempted the way Jesus was tempted (laughs) on earth. And in that sense... In that sense, ladies and gentlemen, whenever we are tempted, I can tell you personally, he knows what you are going through. He knows what I'm going through, what my wife is going through, and every single person listening to this, what Dane, what Josh, what Noah, what all of us are going through, because he experienced it firsthand. Guys, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want to echo what you're saying. If you are going through difficult friendships. Um, Jesus understands he was, he was betrayed by a close friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver by a, a close friend. Uh, he was denied by his closest friend. If you're going through um, grief, well, Jesus wept. 
um, he wept with Mary and Martha after Lazarus died. If you're going through um, pain and suffering, well, he suffered on the cross. He, he was whipped. He was beaten. If you're going through being slandered and lied about, well, his people slandered and lied about him and called him all sorts of awful things and, and accused him falsely of, of blasphemy, even though there was no deceit in his mouth. Quite literally, even if, it, even if all you're experiencing is weariness and being tired, Jesus got yeah. tired too. Um, he, uh, he slept on that boat. And if you're experiencing righteous anger, you just you, you want to see the world be less sinful. Well, he was turning over tables when he felt that righteous anger. So anything you experience in this life that you have um, a, a, a tough time with, you can pray to Jesus and he'll literally hear your prayer and say, yeah, I know. I can relate. I know what that feels like. I, I am a man just like you. Uh, I know right. what you're going through. And you can, you can um, I will help you carry uh, yourself through yes. this. Yes, that's exactly right. It's we're not promised to to make you know Jesus never promised to make all of our problems disappear. But what did he promise? He promised to help us go through them and that we would get through them. You know, I, I would I would respectfully interject that really what when he came, he came with a servant leadership, right? Sure. And so if you if you oh, think about yeah. it, well, if you think about it, so he came in to do the absolute worst of the worst, the bottom of the bottom, to hang out with the scum of the scum, the things that nobody else wants to do. So if you're looking around in life and you're saying, yeah, I, I feel like I have it bad. One of the things that always strikes me every time I read the Apostle Paul is how many times he says, I deserve it, right? I deserve mm -hmm. this. I deserve worse than this. So yeah. if you kind of, if you put those goggles on that there's, own the only objective here is to ultimately glorify God. And then, then you start backing out and saying, so this is my experience. Well, is that glorifying God or is, do I trust God that he'll use this experience to glorify God? That's when we start find, finding fulfillment in everything we do. That's right. That's right. Josh, any final Noah coming in at the last minute and dropping bombs, man. <laughs> dropping bombs. Mike dropped moments. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I get excited. It, 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 and as we go through it's the good. rest of this series, if people are tuning in for the first time or they're listening to us or they're coming from us from other sources, they're listening, you know, that's what we're going to explore as we go through. What are the practical day-to-day -day decisions we make? How do we make them? Why do we make them? That's right. That's right. And I want to thank Dane exactly. and Josh for joining us for for this one. Dane, brother, you, you, you've brought so much to the table, and I really appreciate you coming on. You all will have to make sure to catch us next week as we talk about sin and mankind. What is the relationship of sin to us? Thank you all for tuning in. God bless. Good night. And stay like Christ. We will see you next time on the Complete Center's Guide.